turn. Alright, take him. Take him. It's a nice buck. Take him. Heck yeah, buddy. Awesome shot. He's going down. Welcome to the Hunt and Fish Network podcast. All right, ladies and gents, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt and Fish Network podcast. I'm your host, Ed Woolley, a.k.a. Mr. Muley Tynes. And on today's episode, episode 11, got my good buddy Aaron Amber, president of Nexus Outdoors. We're going to be talking a little bit of hunting and his new hunting gear, 2.0 hunting gear. So welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Yeah, thanks. So uh, it's been a long time. You know, we chatted on the phone, uh, I guess a few months ago, but before that, I think I, I met you for the first time when I was, uh, do a little high country, well, maybe mid high country mule deer hunting and shit. That's been like, uh, what, six, seven, eight, nine years ago now. Right. Yeah. I think you were one of the product buyers or VPs of Cabela's when, when all that all went down, I think you came with Brownie, I think. Yeah, I came with Brownie, and that's that's when I first got to meet you, and we were Red Desert, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. I didn't close the deal, but uh, it was a it's a beautiful beautiful spot in this country. I remember sitting over one of these big uh, bowls. I forget what you guys call the bowl, but uh, yeah, just some amazing views and what an amazing experience. Yeah, you were. I think you were my, hunting with my dad, and I, you were probably out by the point where you look up to the left and there's the big red slides. Yep. And then it opened up to that big old canyon. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, been a long time, but glad to uh, spend a little time with you today uh, talking about one of our new companies and brands called Tool Gear. So uh, we're really excited about uh, what's going on with the brand. Yeah. Do you want to uh, start off kind of how you, how the uh, brand came about? Yeah, I, I would love to. Um you know, we we just believe we have, you know, I, I would call it over 100 years of experience at Nexus uh, creating great outdoor gear. Um, we're in the hunt space and, and you know, it's one thing uh, for people to, to say they can create it. It's another thing for a company to say, not only do we create great gear, but we do those activities, if you will, that um, people pursue in, in the West. And so we launched two old gear this summer. Um, and, uh, we really started with a Western vertical. So Western big game vertical. So when you think about, um, products from your, your Merinos to your, your very outer shell uh, to keep you, uh, dry and, and, uh, safe and inclement conditions, uh, that's our assortment. And we really founded, you know, the, the pillars, if you will, the brand really focus on, you know, performance fabrics. It focuses on articulation and fit, which really equals mobility, if you will, and then layering. So, uh, you know, anyone can create a jacket and a pant when you think about the fabrications that go into it. Um, and then the fits and the patterns, if you will, behind that, um, that's what creates uh, really, uh, you know, chocolate and peanut butter to come together to become Reese's. And uh, we've been doing it for a long time and we're excited to you know, a, doing those podcasts. And then, you know, I will tell you, Ed, I spent time probably the last three or four weeks. Um, we had a lot of gear um, being used uh, 
um, out in the elk woods and mule deer woods and moose woods um, over this last fall. And, and we spent a lot of dedicated team as a product development uh, team uh, sitting down and having extensive reviews on the phone or Zoom calls like this with the guys that are out there doing it more than we can do it. And we had some guys that were chasing elk for, I think, 36 days was one of the guys that uh, we talked to, um, to the guys that went to Alaska, the guys went up to BC and did some uh, moose hunting. So we spent a lot of time going through the gear. And I, I will tell you, I'm really impressed because, you know, it's, you never do everything right. You know, certainly we do a lot right because we're in the business, but I'll tell you just how gratifying it is to sit down and hear the stories, number of days, how they used it, what they like, what they could, what we can improve on. So just been really ecstatic, if you will, with what we've heard back from the people that have really been testing it hard. And that's in addition to all the testing we did on the product before we launched the company. Yeah. I mean, you sent me out that gear. I mean, I've got the base layer on right now. Yeah. I, I use it in Colorado on our ranch during early season, most of September. Yeah. I mean, I had the pants, I had the puffer jacket, I had another jacket. I mean, I used, I used it a lot while I was in Colorado. I mean, some of it I didn't get to use cause it was a little warmer. I didn't use it till October, but I definitely put it to use. So. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's at the end of the day, it's, I always say the greatest truths are through one's own experiences and said another way, it's those products we use. It's those things that are favorites in life. And you have confidence in those products because you've used them. You put them to the test. And and that to me is where the greatest greatest truths come from. So, you know, I think, you know, your advocation and use of it in the field, the people that we have using it, our personal experiences just give us a lot of confidence that you can talk from a first person viewpoint. Uh, this is just not about fabric testing and and laboratory stuff and fit models. This is about real people doing real things in the woods. And when you hear those experiences, like, you know, what you did with our product and what others did, it just, it, it just is nice because you, you know, it sounds simple and there's a lot of guys doing it and creating outdoor gear. Um, but it, it's far more of a challenge to make it all come together, uh, launching a brand, launching a great product, having great supply chains to make sure that, people that entrust their 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 maybe five days in the woods the guys are spending 45 days trusting your gear to make sure that they have great experiences and they're not worried about the weather um, whether it's hot or cold and they're just doing their thing that's why we exist to make sure that they can focus on the game and their experiences and having a good time yeah for sure yeah and i mean for the listeners this stuff's more like a athletic fit which I like because you don't have all the baggy stuff grabbing tree branches and stuff when you're going through the woods or when you're trying to sneak in if you're an archery hunter. I mean, it's it fits nice and snug and comfortable. So tell us, yeah, that's of, what go ahead. Tell us a little bit about how the camel pattern you picked for it. Yeah, we, um, and I know we've talked a little bit about the camel pattern, we call it verse, uh, the, the pattern name. It's verse. And we create the pattern that we wanted it to be able to perform in multiple situations. And I'm just going to get this out of the way right away, Ed, is that 
first of all, camel has to look cool. And um, I hate leading with that, but but I'm also a realist in which people want to make sure when they get a camel piece on. So we have camel tops, cam, you know, solid tops. We have camel bottoms, solid bombs. But at the end of the day, people want a camel that looks cool. So I think it passes the first test, the verse pattern does that. I mean, it looks pretty damn good and it looks pretty damn sexy. And really the home run that we hit is that we want to make sure it looked good, but we started with the authenticity and the effectiveness. Um, that's where it started with the colorations and the pattern design, which it seems easy to create camo on. I know a lot of guys do it, but create a very effective one that breaks up one silhouette when you're, I don't care if you're on a rock face or you're an alpine, subalpine. I was, you know, out in uh, Western South Dakota this year using the 2-0 verse camo pattern antelope hunting in open plains. And we've just been really excited with the imagery we've gotten in those different situations, Ed, and between the colorations and the pattern work. So I think back in summary, we really nailed it from a effectiveness first. And then number two, it just looks different. And, and, and I think it looks really sexy as well, which, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, based upon the gram and based upon face crack and tick crack and, you know, Insta crack and all the cracks we have in our lives, uh, people want to look good and fashionable. And I think we hit home run because we nail both of those. Um, so we've been really happy. We frankly been, you know, believe it or not, have done some shoots in the whitetail woods and elevated scenarios. And it's amazing how well it works. So, you know, we have other aspirations of maybe more camels in the future. But right now, Ed, I tell you, based upon the effectiveness and the feedback we've gotten, it's just very versatile, hence the word verse. And uh, we're pretty doggone happy right now where we're at. Yeah, I mean, you look at a lot of hunting camel companies and they're they usually have one set camel for the west and another one for the whitetail woods and so that's pretty cool that you found one that is kind of versatile between bulls so you don't have to push two different camel lines yeah and just and and ed you know it as well that you think about even the multiple situations you can get into in the west i mean and, and i'm not going to name names but others other com competition has alpine and subalpine and you know a bunch of different pattern work so I, i'm pretty happy that based upon the west like you know how it is sometimes you're above tree line sometimes you're right in tree line and sometimes you're below tree line and to have a pattern that you know really i'm telling you, i've just seen some amazing pictures and people even firsthand like i i couldn't even see it. my my collar was behind me i couldn't even see where he's at or the collar saying I, I thought he was over here and he was over there. So um, it, we're, we're really excited about uh, at least how the pattern shows up. And and and, and I know you know this, but I'll, I'll talk to the listeners is that what you see on shelf is one thing. And then you think about a camel pattern where it really has to work is when you get 50 yards, 100 yards away. And that's when you really true truly see the effectiveness of a camel pattern. And uh, you'll be amazed to get a chance to, to look at our pattern and see it out in the real in the real life, real light, whether it's full sun, whether it's 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 uh you know cloudy, it just really performs well, Ed. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I like how you guys have a layer system. It seems like if you're a new camel company coming out and you don't have a layer system, it doesn't seem like you're going to make it because that's, that's kind of the new technology where all these camel companies are going is you got to have the base layer, then you got to have the mid layer, then you got to have a nice jacket and then maybe a puffer on the outside to keep everything in. And you guys have kind of hit it on the, on the, on the melon with getting that whole layer system down. Well, you think about that layering, I mean, I, I would tell you, so I do, I've done a lot. I grew up and cut my teeth out West and I grew up in Western South Dakota and I spent a lot of time in Wyoming and Colorado and, you know, doing things with my dad. And, and um, I, I would tell you that out West hunting is different than you think about stationary whitetail, which I do a lot of whitetail hunting as well. And that layering system is is so important because out west, and you think about, you know, whether it's elk hunting or mule deer hunting, it's periods of of extreme activity, humping it to cut off the elk, to get the top of the mountain, to get the bottom. What are you trying to do to intersect them? Or you got a mule deer spot and spotter and you got them located here and you're hustling down a big canyon and up a canyon around. And then you have high periods of stationary activity where you're just maybe sitting in glass and wait for the right opportunity to make a move. Um, or you're sitting in the morning on, on top of a mountain, you know, trying to cut off the elk as they're coming up the mountain. And in those situations why layering is so important, and I don't need to tell you this, is that you need to be able to control moisture, shed layers, add layers, as your activity either is very little or very high. And this layering system allows you to add or subtract as needed for whatever, whatever situation you're in. So that, that's super effective, you know, um, moisture management layering, uh, cause at the end of the day, you want to be able to make sure that you're, you know, letting a lot of moisture escape while you have high, uh, activity going on. And then when you get stationary, you feel like you're kind of cooling down the layer back up. So that's exactly Really, I'm not going to call the system word. I'll call it a toolkit based upon your style of hunting. Most everyone uses base layer, but then they're adding layers to that, to your point, whether it's the puffy, whether it's a hybrid jacket, um, or whether it's a ballistic storm shell, which is fully waterproof. And, you know, for those periods where you get in a downpour and have to stay warm to, to keep safe. So, uh, yeah, we believe in the layering system very much. Yeah, I mean... A lot of times I see clients, like when I come out of the guide cabin and I'm getting on the four-wheeler ready to go, they're like, man, you're going to freeze your butt off. And I'm like, well, if you think about it, you want to keep dry. So you don't really want to have all your layers on when you start hiking, because when you get to the top of the hill, you're going to be sweating. And when you start taking layers off, that's when you're going to be sweating. You're going to get sick. Next morning, you're not going to be able to go hunting. So I like to, I like to dress light. And then once I get to the top of the hill, that's when I put couple layers on if need be and that way you're not sweating and getting cold and getting sick like that and they they don't realize that till they actually go out and see what happens and they're like man you were right it's like yeah man it's not <laughs> not my first rodeo freaking climbing to the top of the mountain but yeah you know, I, I, go ahead well i'm just gonna add to what you're saying is that and you, you you'll know this inherently because you do it i'm I always live by the, if I'm not cold, cold, when I get outside and ready to go do my thing, I have too much on. I mean, to your point, you, you, you get out of the truck and you start humping it 
if you will. And you better be cold then because if you're not cold when you start, man, it's like, you know, 100 yards into your journey and you're like, man, I'm dying. And at that point in time, you've already accumulated all that perspiration and moisture and you can't take off layers fast enough. At that point, your gear's wet, your your base layer's wet, you know, and and yeah, so what you do is exactly what I preach. Be cold when you start and then add layers as you need to. But uh, if you're if you're not cold, you got too much on, my man. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it too many times where I've went out and I tell guys, I'm like, well, you might want to just put what you want on because we're going to be hiking. I usually try to tell them so they can kind of dress to the situation. But I've been out there where we're, I'm like, well, we could hit elk right off the bat. And if you're sweating the first hundred yards, you may, your smell may linger and then we'll get caught and they'll bust. But yeah, I mean, yeah. guys don't really, really think it's true until it actually happens. And they're like, man, you're kind of right what you said about that. Next time I'm only going to wear maybe one jacket and put my other jacket in the backpack. Yeah. And that's the other great thing about even our Merino product. And, and I know you've, you've experienced it firsthand how Merino has a great natural ability to climatize with your skin. So that's the advantage of that versus, you know, high poly content, you know, next to skin, next to skin garments where, you know, high poly content, you feel cold in the morning or you feel cold in the evening. Um, and like Merino, even when it's cool out, you just don't feel that coolness next to your skin. That Merino does a great job of regulating. And then during the, even the heat of the day, Merino does a great job of keeping cool. A lot of folks think that, you know, Merino's just a, a, a warming agent and it's there. It's when it's, when it's really cold. Well, you know as well as I do, Merino performs as well as when it's uh, in when it's warm as when it's cool. Um, so just keeping you know a light Merino top on, whether it's a one fifty or a two fifty weight Merino next to skin, even on a hot day with your with your hood pulled up to keep the sun off. It's amazing how well it performs even under the heat. Yeah, I mean it's crazy how dry. I mean if it does get wet, I mean how fast it dries and. A lot of times merino will wick your smell anyways so even yeah. if you start sweating a little bit that's the good thing about merinos you don't have to worry about it getting too too smelly yeah how many and i've i remember i was out west uh last year and i think i wore this same merino top for a dozen days and it's amazing what the the natural antimicrobial um effects are in merino where it just you know, it'll stand up before it smells from wearing it too much. So it has just great natural properties. And that's, you know, Merino's, a, it's not a new thing uh, by any means, but it's it's been tested and used and and uh, really performs well. The only thing you got to do is be a little careful if you're going through a bunch of thick stuff with, with Merino. You got to be careful because it definitely doesn't have nearly the strength of uh, other products, but all the attributes for, surely outweigh that for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Like I, like a lot of guys, they, uh, when I get back after hiking in the morning or in the afternoon, we have a clothesline outside that we, that I hang all my clothes up and they're like, why do you do that? Why don't you just take it in your room and dry? I'm like, might as well let it get the smell of the outside. Then you're smelling outside and you don't accidentally put it with your clothes that you got cologne or some other smell on. And then it, get, it gets mixed up with that. So I try to keep any human human scent off of it so that's what i've found to work the best yeah i've even i've even started bringing a little bit of uh we have a 
uh, I have a couple of portable ozone machines too. Like when I'm in the back country, I always try to pack one of those as well. And, you know, try, try to ozone if you, your product once your, 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 uh, garments once in a while too, it just, you know, back to whether you're naturally airing it out or you can get it some ozone on to kill all the, the, uh, odor that you've accumulated as well works pretty good. And, uh, you know, even those, those portable ones with batteries, they work pretty good in the back country. I use the airtight bag sometimes and loosely put my garments in there and put an ozone generator. It's also a little, little back country tip that I, I like to use. Cause you know what, it's, it's hard to beat the wind and wind in the mountains in general, but man, whatever you can do to, whether you use a Merino, whether you're drying your stuff outside, whether you're using some ozone, whatever you can do to, uh, to dampen your scent signature is always, always important as well. It's not a guarantee at all, but it certainly helps when you need two more steps sometimes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys, I, they ask me what I do during the rut to, uh, keep smell down. And I tell them, I said, sometimes I'll take my gear that I'm going to wear that week, put a little bit of LP in a garbage sack, <laughs> mix it around. And then I'll, once it gets pretty juicy then i'll put it up on the clothesline out there and let it hang and i mean yeah it has a little bit of a stench but if you if you want to get close during archery season you got to smell like you got to pretty much act like you're one of the one of them yeah for sure do you uh do you have any luck this year out jumping around in the woods yeah we had uh this last archery season was killer archery season the elk were bugling really good i mean the only the only thing that sucked was a lot of our clients, they were wounding stuff. And so that's, that was the only bad thing about, I mean, it was a good archery season. We had a lot of good opportunity, but yeah, we had a lot of, a lot of guys that bulls had come in facing them straight on. And we, we always have meetings with our guys saying, Hey, just give it another 10, 15 seconds and let them turn so you can get a good shot. But in the heat of the moment, yeah, they were shooting them at like 25, 30 yards and shooting them frontal shots. And they just weren't, weren't hitting the vitals we we only recovered one bull but i mean we never oh, yeah. found any of the other ones and we're hope we we hope that none of them died but yeah we only recovered one out of probably seven or eight that got wounded so we're hoping 90 percent of them live so yeah that's tough i mean it's crazy I, I just don't understand this about elk i mean they have the the largest vital area and they can be the easiest critters to kill and they can have the largest vitals and be the toughest critter to kill, you know, and, and how many one lung bulls have you seen hit where they could live on the other lung or, you know, gut shots that unfortunately some bad things happen. No one's proud of it. And, you know, it's probably, they end up dying. Uh, but you know how it is. It can, they can have two miles on them before you even know what happened. You know, a lot of times they'll probably lay down, but people bump them and it's, they're just tough critters too really yeah, tough i mean we would we would give them like 45 minutes after they were shot and i mean you'd have pretty decent blood but then as the further you got down the blood trail i mean it got to where it was just specks and you're like man this isn't looking looking too promising so and they were going yeah. uphill too so you, you knew they weren't hit too crazy hard yeah yeah i don't know about you know i haven't heard a lot about reports for last year i think the in some areas rut was good and I think the, you know, things were supposed to be pretty lined up, but also her was a pretty quiet season as well. I'm not sure you experienced much of that by the sounds of it, but I heard some other hunts were, were pretty tough this year. 
Yeah, I know. Uh, I talked to some of my buddies out fit in Arizona, and they said a couple of them units were kind of quiet. And then had a few guys that I know in Wyoming that said it was pretty quiet. But yeah, Colorado seemed to be pretty hot. I mean, I think this year with the milder winter that we have, usually I've found on a milder winter they rut earlier. So I'm hoping hoping the rut kicks off a little earlier this year. And I mean, the antler girls should be exceptional this year because. The winter hasn't been that crazy. Nothing, nothing like it was last year. So, yeah, big difference than last year and this year on the snowfall and yeah, and uh, not nearly as tough on the critters as it was, huh? No, yeah. I mean, last year I had probably six feet or more of snow at my house, and I'm lucky if I've got 18 inches out here. And it's it's kind of been a little warmer and rainier. So, I mean, we're we're getting the moisture we need. So, I think I think it's going to be one of them years that. You see some killer antler girls pretty much anywhere yeah. here in the in the West because I know Arizona's been getting snow and New Mexico. So, yeah, and I, and as you know, this time of year, even you'll probably get dumped on a couple more times. It won't be that bitter December and January where you don't have much heat to melt it off, and you have low sunlight days. So whatever comes probably heavy right now, which you'll probably get some big dumps coming up here in late February and March. You know, I don't know what the the weather's doing there, but um, yeah, at least they won't have to be in the bitter cold and they'll have some nice days, hopefully, to get them through the rest of what's left of the potentially harsh winter, you know? Yeah, I mean, they're calling for, I mean, it's low 40s, so I mean, it might be like a mixture of rain, snow, but I don't think it'll be too crazy. I told my dad, I mean, as long as it snows up in the high country and stays, stays decent down here on the winter range, I think, I think they should fare out pretty well and there should be some pretty good antler growth for 2024 yeah well we're looking forward to it you know and we believe it or not we're we're already starting to sell product for you know when you think about the the guy that goes west i mean they're starting to you know poke around and look at what's new and most all companies have had their new product launches for this fall of 24 and we, we have quite a bit of traffic and people poking around already to know what we're doing for new and we got some new things we're doing for this fall where we actually have a a soft shell vest that we're coming out with this fall. Kind of back to the earlier conversation we had about what's nice about a you think about a merino 250 base air top, you know. And you think about just adding a soft shell vest to that. And we've had quite a bit of you know feedback from us. We were doing some product testing last fall on our soft shell vests and some of our elk guys really like that soft shell vest to keep their arms and to be able to dump moisture and heat quickly, but yet zip up that soft shell vest, which is windproof, if you will, and has good thermal value to it. So we're excited about that uh, piece that we'll be adding to the collection. Um, also talking about some other new products. We'll have a, a gator, a uh, really nice gator. They'll be coming out. Do you use gators much at all, Ed? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wore Solomon's for, I don't know, the last six or seven years. And so I wear the speed cross sixes in the early stuff before it gets real cold. And they have a little tiny gator that goes with them. And then when it gets a little colder, I wear the actual gators that come clear up to your knee with their, yeah. with, with their quest Four boots. Yeah. We'll be coming out with a gator that goes up the knee. We're at least doing uh, one skew that we think will cross most of the needs right now. Uh, maybe in the future have a more lighter weight one. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be uh, doing that and uh, looking at maybe 
even um, our 150 weight, we have a crew, uh, Marino base layer that's a 150 weight, had some uh, requests and we're working on that right now to put a hood on it as well. Uh, because a lot of guys, again, back to when it's really hot, having a 150 weight uh, piece of Merino and a crew, it's great. But they're like, man, I like to get the sun off my head, you know, or I'm in a hunting situation, pull that hook that hood up just to give a little bit more protection and take some light off the face. So yeah, we have a few new things going on um, on the apparel side and, and just anxious as people start to poke around for getting geared up to, to, uh, you know, be ready. And a lot of guys like to be all prepared by July, you know, June or July, August, the very latest, um, you know, some of those Western seasons kick off in mid August even. So yeah, it's, it's amazing. We put one, one year to bed and and uh already uh almost a couple months in in 2024 yeah yeah and i mean if i could make maybe a recommendation on that hooded deal i know what would be pretty cool is with that hood as a little face mask that you can kind of put behind your head and then you pull over your face to like camouflage your face if you're archery hunting yeah like an all-in-one to have a gator and a hood yeah, one, yep. just like a little gator that kind of pulls up above your nose, so you just pretty much see your eyes. Yeah, we do. We have another brand that we uh, whitewater fishing, and we do quite a bit of that in the fishing side. Think about those guys out fishing, and and they really like that integrated face mask with the hood uh, to keep the sun rays off them. So definitely, it's a design that uh, uh, we're, we're experienced with, and do it, uh, do it in other things, uh, other brands we have. So definitely something can be included yeah yeah i mean it just from my experience because you get up on them cold mornings and you're up high and glass in the wind if you have that little face deal you can kind of put it up over there to keep your face warmer like you like i say if you're stalking in on something and you need kind of to camouflage yep. your face a little bit you just hurry and pull that up and you already got the hood up so it's almost yep. like sitting in a blind looking out yeah well we do have a, a separate i think it's a 150 weight uh, Gator, we do sell separately. So if you listeners are on there and you, and even though we may not have an integrated solution today, we do have a really lightweight Gator that you can bring up to, you know, combine that with your hood situation. I use a lot of times just leave it on my neck. And then when it's game time, pull it up here and pull the hood over. And it's another way to just, uh, whether even what's, even what's cold, just that little layer sometimes to keep the wind off you certainly is a, an effective means to, keep warm as well when you get some cutting winds blowing in on you um in addition to the concealment you talk about yeah what uh what price point have you got the two yo gear yeah it just ranges you know our our probably our highest end is when you get into the uh the ballistic storm jacket which is in the 250 dollar range so when i talk about ballistic storm jacket and pant that's a three-layer uh, windproof, waterproof, outer shell, if you will. So that will keep you, it's probably hunting it less than, you know, I typically only take rain gear when I'm out West um, to keep, if, if I, a thunderstorm, you know, it's coming up something that you got to keep drying quickly. Um, we, we prescribe that or you go into Alaska, you need rain gear that you can wear all the time. That's tough. So that's our ballistic, uh, storm shell jacket and pant which is bulletproof and then most everything else you have um is in the you know the 100 to 200 dollar range whether it's the soft shell jacket you know that's in the 200 dollar price range soft shell uh, 
uh, pants are in that range. And we have a couple other pieces that, you know, our pants are in the, you know, $119 land. Um, so, and then our Merino tops are right around the little hundred dollar mark as well. So, you know, pretty, I would tell you, we shop a lot and we look around and we think it's, you know, for the value you get with a dollar, we're, we're uh, pretty happy where we're at in a price range. It's still, as you know, it's, it's, things are expensive to make and, you can definitely buy cheaper and you can definitely buy more expensive. We try to be right in, you know, the upper middle range to make sure that, you know, we have a hundred percent guarantee um, on our performance of our gear from, you know, workmanships to performance. So we're standing behind, you know, what we're creating and we're confident that um, what we're putting out there is, is just not a good idea on paper or a good idea in the testing facility. It's, it's a great effective piece because it's works and it's being out there used every day. Yeah. And another thing I like about your gear is you didn't just do strictly camo. You have solid colors too. That's a, that's a big thing for me because I like to have solid and camo because sometimes I like to wear a solid bottom with the camo top or vice versa. Yeah. And, and I think what we also find, Ed, is that not only do people like to hunt that way, if you think about many of the consumers that we deal with, they like to be able to wear their gear in, you know, all aspects of their life. So a lot of the solid tops and the solid bottoms, you know, um, they're just wearing all the time, uh, 365. And I think that's another aspect of the solids that makes it work well, whether they're at a attack event or, you know, the, the Western, you know, um, uh, heritage event or, or you know, they're out there doing food plots, they're scouting, they're shed hunting, um, whatever they're doing, scouting, uh, this stuff works all times of the year. Um, and I think that's the other, you know, good angle that solids have on us. So we'll, we'll continue. We're actually bringing, you know, that puffy jacket we talked about, mm -hmm. um, they're, we're actually coming out with that and the solid for this fall. So, um, you know, that's just another great piece that we just love. It's called the Clement puffy jacket which is a it's very packable yet it has great thermal value so that's uh that's definitely been one of the favorites and people talk about the hood design on that when you want to bring the hood up you can still go like this and like this and look and draw and hunt so it's definitely been a really positive positive uh, style that we've got some really great feedback on yeah yeah i mean i wear solids i mean that's that's all I wear to work now. I don't even wear Levi's. My wife's like, are you ever going to wear Levi's again? I'm like, why would I when there's <laughs> hunting pants that are more comfortable and they're solid and they look good? So, Yeah. And, you know, most of our pants have stretch in them, some element of give, yet they're, you know, you've made a comment earlier about athletic. They're they're definitely um, a, more aggressive than blockier. Um, and that's just what we believe the trend is. And the reason you can do that is we have great pattern work. Um, in other words, how it fits you is how you sew the, how you cut the patterns and sew it. And then you combine that with great fabric that has some element of stretch, whether it's two or four way stretch. I mean, you get, you get a, a pair of pants. If it's like a glove that allows you to do everything you need to do, get down, stand up, walk, climb, and yet it moisture wicks well, um, whether it's side vents to dump heat, um, it just fits good. And that's, you know, certainly... Um, you think about anything you pull out of the closet, we pull things out because we love them. And usually we love them because they fit great. And, you know, that that's tough when you 
you think about, you know, having a fit block that fits everyone at the end of the day, the fit is different, you know, based upon how God built you. And uh, so we do our best to try to get the most uniform um, fit block and, and, and models as we do all the little tweaks to the garments and whether it's the, you know, the inseam or whether it's the up, the, you know, front rise, back rise, how we shape it, it's impossible to fit everybody, but we've done our, our darndest to make sure we have a fit and a combination of material stretch that fits most, you know, and so you have to play around too, you know, with the brand and I'd say order your size. Um, if you're ordering, you know, the, the base layer, the Merino base layers, they're definitely more aggressive on the fit. So if you like a tighter fit, a more conforming fit like you like it, I'd order your size. If you're a little, I'd say fuller fit like me and I want to look good um, and I don't want to feel embarrassed about maybe my physique because I'm not quite as lean, as mean as I'd like to be, I'd order size up on the Merino. So that, that, that'd be the best judgment I give to your listeners. Otherwise, if you're in our tops and bottoms, I'd, I'd, I just buy your size and then go from there. So uh, we'll definitely take care of you if it if it uh, fits too aggressive or not aggressive enough. Um, we'll take care of you, and and um, I'm pretty confident that that people are gonna be pretty happy. We'll continue to make tweaks on feedback as we go, um, you know. Uh, but today we're feeling pretty good about where we're at. Yeah, I mean, the pants, I like them because normally when you're in a pair of athletic pants and you sit down. They lift up like three or four inches like the flood's coming. Yeah. But these, like you say, have that stretch. So it stretches at the knee and it keeps down below your ankle. So it looks good too. Plus they're comfortable. Well, well the other thing, Ed, too, is that they're a little bit by like jeans in this sense is that, you know, you get a pair of jeans out of the washer and you dry them, you put them on, they're just a little snug to, to start, but you start moving around a little bit. Um and, and then all of a sudden you're like, man, these are where they're at. We have a little bit of that with, with our pants out of the box. You'll be like, man, these are a little aggressive, but I assure you, once you get in, start moving around and, and start spending some time, inevitably material stretches out. Um, even if it has rebound, it stretches a little bit. And, and that's the nice part. It ends up kind of forming to your body. So, um, uh, you know, and you get out there perspiring a little bit and getting heat things loosen up so that's i think we've struck a pretty good accord well, uh, as i said earlier we'll still make tweaks we have a couple tweaks we need to make on the next model but we're pretty comfortable where we're at today yeah yeah and i like how they have the pockets i'm a big pockets guy because when i go out i gotta have my gotta have treats and i gotta have some places where i can put <laughs> elk sand or called or stuff like that so hmm. i'm a pockets guy on my pants and I like how your pants have one big uh, one big one on each side. Yeah. And what's the tricky part about pockets is you want them big enough that they'll, you can put something in there, but you also, you, you got to prevent them from being too big. So what you put in there doesn't get sloppy and banging around as you're hustling up the hill. So it's a really a fine balance of capacity. And yet like ours, you put something in there, but it'll, it'll yet be pr pretty tight to body where you don't put a range finder in there or a call in there. It won't be banging around, you know, it'll, it'll fit in there, not tightly, but rather in a conform way, which is not bouncing around or sliding under your leg or doing something crazy. And you're trying to hustle up a hill. Heck yeah. What, uh, what hunting plans you got for 
2024 this year? Well, you know, we were talking pre-call. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how I get Utah tag at some point in time. Um, you know, I have a lot of anxiety with this right now, Ed, and I'll tell you why is that I start putting in for um, a lot of Western, as you know, Western tags and your listeners won't be surprised. It's tough to get a tag out West. And, um, and I'm, I'm typically not putting in for general tags. I'm, I'm putting in for limited, you know, limited entry draw areas, you know, public land access. And I have uh, anywhere from 19 to, to 20 points. And I don't care if it's Arizona elk, um, Utah elk, uh, uh, mountain goat, sheep, moose. I have a lot on the table right now in the West. And I'm just hoping at some point I draw one of these tags, but I also back to what I said, have a little anxiety. I'm not as young as I once was. And, uh, it's just, uh, you know, um, I hope I have the problem of figuring out how to get ready for a hunt like that and how to find the right, you know, outfitter or the right buddies that know the area. So I'm hoping that I draw one of those tags. If I don't, um, I'll probably uh, try to get into Mexico hunting elk this year. Um, you know, go get a, a landowner tag there. And then I'll probably spend quite a bit of time, you know, in the Nebraska and, 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 and probably um, I'll probably go to Wyoming, do a little hunting. I got a pretty good place. I can get a tag there on the deer side and uh, probably uh, Western Nebraska, uh, Western Nebraska, Western South Dakota. So, um, and then I'll hit the white tail woods as well, which is what I do in the November time period. So yeah, I'm anxious. Um, but again, drawing tags is tough. I don't know what you're hearing with point creep Ed, and what's going on in, in that arena. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get a lot of guys that this time of year, they're, they either want to buy auction tags or they'll call and say, Hey, I want to spend this kind of money. What's my best options. And I'll kind of, go through with them and say, here's the States, here's the units, here's the auction tags that I would bid on for that kind of money. And here's the quality you'll be able to get. But yeah, I mean, the point creeps getting crazy. I mean, I had a guy that has, what do you say? 25 or 26 for deer. And I had him put in for the Ponce gone muzzleloader tag this last year. And yeah, he didn't draw. And I'm like, man, how, how is that? You can't even draw with almost max points. But yeah luckily yes. he didn't luckily he didn't draw because it wasn't it wasn't as hot as everybody thought it was and so i think last year the oak creek and the ponce got in utah didn't pan out to what it was supposed to be but with the low moisture that we've been getting the snow i think i think this year since it's been mild i think it's going to be one of those years if you have a oak creek ponce gone or a henry's mountain tag i think you're gonna be in for a awesome hunt in my opinion yeah well i i look forward to it it's what arizona that was due um wyoming's already put in and i guess or yeah arizona wyoming i guess those deadlines have come and when's utah um coming up the deadlines for application periods yeah so utah starts i think in march and then i think nevada just opened up today yeah yeah so but yeah utah goes from march Till the end of March or first of April, and then you get Colorado that goes from April till the end of April, and then I I believe Wyoming deer opens up. Yep, sometime end of April, first of May. Yeah, I just wish I could hunt elk every year. You know, I think it's one of my most favorite hunts, and I think that I like it for a couple of reasons. A, I haven't got to do it nearly as much as I've got to deer hunt, 
and then I secondly September there's something magical about September you think about cool mornings cool evenings warm days um and then the mystical elk bugle if you will so uh yeah it's it's exciting um I just hope I get a get a chance to go again this year and hopefully uh I don't draw multiple tags at one time and um yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it hopefully God willing, I'm healthy when I, you know, I'm 50 years old now, so it won't take long. And I wish I was 40 and had this many points. My son, you know, I've been putting him in that lucky little sucker. He'll, yeah. uh, he'll be in a good spot, but you know, it's expensive and you got to be pretty well organized, keep all that stuff moving too. So, you know, I look forward to it. How, how about yourself? I know you're gonna be busy doing some guiding. You got any big hunts yourself planned? Yeah. So I've got a guy that's flying in this coming week for the Utah hunt expo and he's wanting to uh, buy the statewide moose tag. So I don't know. I've got a wild hair that I, I want to kill some big Shirus moose this year. So I've got a guy that's probably going to buy one of the Wyoming governor moose tags. We're going to try to get the statewide uh, Utah moose tag. And then we're going to try to get the statewide Colorado moose tag. Oh, unreal. And then I've got a couple of guys. That, one guy wants to buy a mountain goat tag and then, other than that, I'll be just guiding in Colorado. I do a little bit of stuff in Nebraska and then Utah. Well, I guess I know who who I'm gonna call when I get a Shiras moose tag then, <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I I don't know how many points uh those are taken these days either, but I'm right at the you know nineteen twenty point level for Colorado and Wyoming and the Shiras moose, and uh, so yeah, it'd be kind of fun to do that. Yeah, yeah. If you got that many points in Colorado, we better get you put in for this year so we can go knock one of them babies down. Yeah, that'd be fun. But well, yeah, I appreciate I appreciate Ed, you know, having me on on your podcast. And I just I appreciate you, you know, me meeting you and crossing paths when we did. And thanks for wearing our gear out to get you some more gear to give some feedback on this year and, and, uh, we're excited, uh, we're excited for this brand to grow. We'll, we'll be doing some TAC events and Western, uh, heritage, uh, Mount heritage event. And, and, you know, what we need to be at, uh, uh, the Western hunting expo, we'll probably book that for next year. So we can be out there and get a chance for people to, you know, touch and feel people still want to do that. But in the meantime, I just encourage your listeners, if you're looking for a unique look and, and and you like what we're doing and and want to be part of a i'd say a, a small build out of a of a brand we have huge aspirations and i can assure you that our gear is going to perform to your expectations so check us out at toolgear.com that's toolgear t-u-o gear.com and and would love to love for you to try us out yeah yeah like i said i appreciate you hopping on to talk about your new year and it's it's going to be exciting to see see this brand grow so but yeah I yeah appreciate, well, appreciate you only, hopping on yeah it only happens with you know guys like you and others that weren't that uh that uh, want to be part of this so appreciate it Ed, a lot and uh uh we'll see when tags come up here uh what we're both doing here in the next few months heck yeah man i appreciate your time today yeah thank you very much